0: episode 12 of up from the ashes big sci-fi ideas bad sci-fi tv the star lost 50 years later astro medics episode 11 originally airing on ctv november 30th 1973 starring our usual trio directed by george mcgowan written by paul schneider martin lager and guest-starring Stephen Young, Bud Knapp, Meg Hogarth, Michael Zenon, William Kemp, and David Mann. And it's a doozy. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Up from the Ashes, the podcast about bad sci-fi TV with big sci-fi ideas. Sometimes. (laughs) I'm Ben, Ben Avery, your host, as we go back in time to raise some things up from the ashes and try to decide if it belongs in the ashes or not. (laughs) And and for this episode, I am joined by Alan Rainey, the author of, well, co-author of a couple of books that I have really, really enjoyed over the years. And I am going to apologize ahead of time, Alan for bringing you in on this episode.
1: (laughs) You know, Ben, I'm just going to say before we get into any introductions or anything, uh, with Flight of the Angels, you've been with us kind of right from the start. I've been your internet friend for over 11 years. Uh, I'd like to think I'm a genuine friend. I'd like to see you in person sometime, even if it's off on the other side of this life. But I know our friendship will survive this. (laughs) But Ben, <laughs> I, I'm right now.
0: I'm just not seeing how it will. <laughs> I <laughs> I knew there was going to be some episodes like this one where uh, whoever I brought in, uh, I owe them something. <laughs> I, I owe them. Uh, uh, and, and it's true. We do go back. uh a decade or more uh, mm-hmm. because of uh, my podcast, Strangers and Aliens. Briefly, I just would like you to introduce yourself and just kind of talk briefly about what that book is and what those books are, I should say, at the end of the episode. And in the show notes, we'll give people where they can find that stuff. But for now, briefly, who are you? Who who are you? What what do you do?
1: <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Like Ben said, I'm uh, my name is Alan Rainey. Uh together with my son Aaron, who is the uh English major and uh and and far better at this sort of thing than I am, uh we wrote together uh a Christian sci-fi series called Flight of the Angels. The first book is called Flight of the Angels. The second book is named Hornets Nest, and we are hard at work right now. On the third installment, it should tie up everything quite nicely unless somebody comes to us and says, hey, Aaron and Ellen, don't stop. Here's a wheelbarrow full of money. But barring that, we're planning on on tying it up pretty well with the third book. And uh, that one's going to be called Phantoms of the Void. And yes, we're working on it at a George R.R. R. Martin speed. So it should be out any
0: decade any now. Any decade now, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, also, you are the fourth person i've had on this podcast who's been a part of the anthology that we're putting together and uh, not on purpose although it doesn't hurt to mention the anthology every once in a while a time for everything uh be coming out soon but um like i said didn't do that on purpose but it is kind of nice to be able to see people face to face that i've been working with behind the scenes so parker was our first uh our first my first co-host uh adam uh, David Collins was on here, and then Nathan uh, Marchand as well. So, yeah. excellent
1: and and again, Aaron and I are just humbled and honored to be uh, included in what we consider to be a veritable who's who of Christian speculative fiction. And so, it's we're we're just so glad that you approached us and that we had an opportunity to provide one of the stories in what is going to be a great anthology. And they will make great Christmas gifts.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> with all that out of the way. Um, you're talking about Christian speculative writers. Let's, if, keeping with the religious theming, um, let's talk about this episode, which could be considered, if not the Inferno itself, pot- uh, potentially purgatory in this episode. It's, oh, uh, I, again. I felt I, like I was
1: in a whole new circle. I really did. <laughs> <laughs> there,
0: here's the thing. I, I'm not going to throw the, the entire series under the bus because... In all honesty, there has been some enjoyment for me out of the series. I do enjoy the series. I enjoy the concept. I enjoy the characters uh, uh, sometimes. There are also times like this where I had just put this out of my mind. I knew that there was something like this coming. I knew uh, you. I was bucking against the odds with every episode because I remembered Episodes that were difficult for me to get through when I first got that DVD set. And, and then I started watching and I started remembering, and I mentioned before the alien Oro, when we did that episode, I was not looking forward to that episode, uh, rewatching it a second time because, uh, I didn't take notes the first time. And for this episode, uh, I'm glad I took notes the first time because (laughs) I, I was not going to go into it a second time. Oh.
1: I, I, Ben, I, ha- I had to watch it twice, unfortunately, <laughs> and 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 unfortunately, I subjected my wife Becky to it twice, and I apologized to her when I picked her up from work, because we only needed the audio the second time. The phone was just on the dash there, but I had to at least pay attention to it one more time if only to try to figure out what in the world was going on. Because yeah. again, hadn't really seen any of the prior episodes at that point yet. And it's just like, it's like, what is the point of what they're doing? Why, why do they even have that Sonic room?
0: <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So before we get into that, <laughs> before we get into that, uh, briefly, have you ever seen the show before? Have you ever heard of the star Lost before? Never. Not until you forced me to watch it. I didn't force, by the way. I mean, this is all entirely of your own free will. Um, I begged a little bit, but I didn't force. <laughs> so, um, okay. So did you, and if I remember correctly, you said that you watched this episode out of context, just by itself, and then you went back and rewatched or, or watched the uh, the pilot episode. Yes. Okay. And And why was that?
1: Well, again, even after watching it i still had to get what the vibe of the series was there had to be a reason why this series was made in the first place although i was really having trouble coming up with that and uh, i wanted to see well what was the, what is the whole point of this arc these biospheres everything else and so went back and watched the original one where you know they go down into Amish paradise and that's where they start and then it began to make more sense even as other parts of it weren't making Under any sense. And I understand there's a little bit of a back history there with the original creator and how upset he was with how things ended up playing out. But uh, again, you talk about big ideas. I could see some big ideas in the pilot, but big ideas with very poor execution of course.
0: And then the other interesting thing is you watched the other Alien episode. I watched watched Alien Alien Oro Oro. with
1: Walter Kennig. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so you've seen the two episodes that include aliens. Well, I guess Walter Candy comes back, and so there's a third that, that involves. I aliens. won't be watching that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it being more interesting. I'll put it that way. And uh, the the guest host that I have lined up for that one, he asked for that episode. He wow. specifically wanted that one because it's so bonkers, is what he said. So, um, but that he's the one person that's going to be on this podcast as of right now, who actually knew about the show ahead of time, who actually has watched the show ahead of time. He, he actually is the guy who, well, I'm not going to say too much more because if I can't get him, there is still a possibility that I might not be able to line him up, but um, yeah, he he asked for that episode. So I was happy to oblige. And it sounds like you will also be happy to oblige. Oh yeah. He can have it. (laughs) So anyway, this episode it's uh, another one that just kind of breaks the the concept a little bit because they mention uh, a dome. They talk about there being a medical dome, but they don't actually go to a dome. There's there, there's not a dome involved, and similar to the the Walter Canning episode where they talk about a dome, they mention a dome, but they don't actually go to one, and that alone brings up this episode brings up so many questions. And in some ways I feel like breaks the world building a little bit because there's so many things about this that just don't make sense. And we'll get to it as, as we go through it. Um, So I've got my, my outline that I'm going to read from uh, of the plot and the breaks, the commercial breaks are, are the breaking points for me, but don't hesitate to interrupt and comment on anything as we're, as we're going through this, because the the -the in-the-moment conversation is vital. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, So, the episode starts with Garth deciding, I'm going to go through this door into this room, and there's an alarm and lights, and the door closes behind him, and he can't get out, and he's in pain. So, Devin and Rachel get the door open from the outside, go inside, bring him back out, but before they can get both of them out, the door closes again and Devin is trapped inside this room and the alarm thing and the light thing are going off still. And so Garth is able to stumble around. Rachel is able to get the door open. They pull Devin out and Devin needs medical help. now. <laughs> Not Garth. Garth. Devin. It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> First of all, just from a writing standpoint, I'm stopping myself here, but just from a writing standpoint, there are just some extra things that didn't need to happen to get to this point. It could have just been Devin going through the door. Mm -hmm. They needed a
1: little bit of guilt
0: I for guess so.
1: Garth, however, what a ham-fisted way to do it. There was late in, later on. I'm sure you know. True to form, will say you know what could have you done to improve this thing. Right off the bat, that was such an awkward way to get to the injury. There's a hundred ways to blow up a console. There's great things to do, but instead, this Batman 66 labeled Sonic chamber where everything <laughs> has a label. Oh, I wonder what this does. I think I'm going to go in there. Oh, it's killing my friend. I'm going to go in there, and instead of following him out this little like crawl through portal, I'm going to stand straight up.
0: Yeah, and yeah, let the uh, door close. Garth, buddy, it's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not no. your fault. Devin was. You couldn't an idiot. have known. Yeah, you couldn't <laughs> have known it was going to be bad. Devin went in there and was not smart about anything. Not at all. Yeah, it just. <laughs> so from the offset, it just is. I I hate to use the D word so quickly, but it's just dumb. Yes. It just goes there. And you're right. I mean, there's so many things that could have happened that Garth could have been responsible for that. I mean, it's an old ship, just, just Garth taking the lead and leading them down a hallway that doesn't look safe and turns out to be not safe. Mm -hmm. There you go. But instead this weird light thing. And then, (laughs) They contact the computer, who is uh, he's 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 a bright point always. He, yeah, well, I, and, I enjoyed he, the host. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and he sounds an alarm and and contacts the astromedics. Who? Be, yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> what's he doing? I don't. <laughs> we we need medical help. Okay, and a spaceship docks with the Hawks with the arc. So there is apparently a couple different or a few different of these spaceships that are just orbiting the arc from the medical dome, I guess. And they're just ready to, to jump in and go quickly to any place that has an injury where the computer calls them in. So don't
1: you think, don't you think that would have come in handy at some point in the first 10 episodes
0: uh there are multiple times when it would have come in very well, handy. I mean,
1: Chekhov's and, girlfriend was dying and they, they did nothing.
0: Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, now mind you, they didn't ask the computer. Oh, that's and right. So if they asked a lesson the computer, for all of us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They ask the AI.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> if they had just done that, he would have known. and I'm I'm going to guess. I don't remember, but I feel safe guessing. We're never going to see these people again. We're never. <laughs> going to see them again. Well, you know, and and the thing is, it's a better series. They're
1: better actors. I mean, I'm sorry, Dave Bowman, but he must have woken out of that. We'll get to it at the end, but I bet you his first real words of dialogue should have been, where the heck is my agent? Because how do you go from working with Stanley Kubrick to doing this? But really, all the actors playing the doctors were better than the principal players.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's an episode, oh... I just lost the name of it, though. It's the the goddess episode. It's, I think it's episode three. It has John Colicos in it. And it has Barry. Oh, I can't remember his name now. But he's from uh, Space 1999. And there's uh. just... When they're on screen together, acting together, you feel like you're just watching a poorly or semi-poorly written play. But being performed by two guys who are just... They know their craft. And it's it's unfortunate cuz all three of our our primary actors have had careers beyond the star lost but i just feel like this is not the showcase for their careers <laughs> and no. and i did just actually rewatch uh 2001 recently i rewatched it uh, actually about a week and a half ago and it is interesting cuz kubrick is directing it as kubrick does it's very cold it's very calculated and and Keir Dula. We just looked up how to, how to say his name. Kier Doolay. Kier which I didn't
1: know till you told me. Right,
0: right. <laughs> but, but we did just look it up. Uh, yes. Kier Doolay. Uh, he acts coldly as well. Like there's, mm-hmm. it's one of the interesting things watching it this time was just how uh, on the spaceship anyway on on Discovery the two guys there the most human character on the ship is Hal. Oh, yeah. and and they are the ones who are not acting human necessarily, and they are the ones who are looking for guidance to the computer uh, until the computer causes problems for them. But yeah, they had the deck stacked. They had the deck stacked when they created this episode, or this the series. They had the deck stacked for Harlan Ellison, Ben Bova, uh, they were, Ursula K. Le Guin wrote an episode. I mean, they have all these things lined up. A guy who was in two thousand one, uh, Walter Koenig. Harlan Ellison wanted him to play one of the leads. They didn't want him for one of the leads, but they got him as a as a co star, and uh, and a recurring character at that. Uh, they were looking at getting Shatner in for an episode, <laughs> uh, you know. And they were just they were on the right track until the budget came when the production companies weren't lining up, and yeah, yeah, so. So back to the astromedics, <laughs> they they arrive with a really low stretcher and they put they put uh Devin on the stretcher and they pull him away. Garth is acting really guilty. Uh, but they they do medical stuff to Devin, they take him. We have some characters new new characters. The the guest cast for this this episode. There's Dr. Jean, I can't remember her last name, uh, who's She's kind of second in command for these medics, and she has she does carry weight as far as the, her voice and what she says and what she wants to do. But she doesn't carry as much weight as Dr. Chris Trask. He's the guy who's in charge of their ship, and he's the one who makes all the calls. He decides what's going to happen. And then there's also his father, Dr. Martin Trask, who used to be the best, the best of the best, and didn't retire back to the Dome to a life a life of of ease and, and a life of comfort. He stayed on this ship so that he could be out there doing what he's good at, but he, he no longer has confidence. And we're going to know he no longer has confidence because Dr. <laughs> Gene is going to tell us directly he no longer has confidence.
1: Yes. <laughs> I appreciated that. I, I, I needed it, to be clued in.
0: For those in the back who weren't paying attention, it, that line when she's talking, it actually felt like the writer, I I could just picture the writer in the room with the producers pitching the script. And he's like, look, so you have Martin Trask and he's lost all confidence, but it's starting to come back. And like, he's trying to pitch the character and the arc to the producers. And then he's like, I'm just going to put that in the dialogue. So everyone knows exactly what I was going for. And they don't have to worry about, you know, context clues that come from an actor who knows his craft. Right. Uh, (laughs) so, so, they take him back to the module and when they get back to the module where all the medical equipment is, and it's it's basically it's a space ambulance and it's actually kind of a cool idea. I think astromedics, I think you're right. There is a show in that. I mean, there's space precinct that was out there, space cops, you know, but, but you know, having, uh, you know, Dr. Crusher and the USS Pascal or whatever she had in the final episode of Star Trek next generation, that's a cool concept for a show is just going from place to place, solving medical problems. And
1: they would need, they would need to upgrade from the Ghostbusters style Lego ship though.
0: I mean, maybe sure, <laughs> but it works in this kind con- context. You know, this is pre Battlestar Galactica, pre Star Wars, pre, you know, not pre Star Trek, but anyway, While they're getting ready to work on Devin, aliens come calling Uh, aliens call and they need medical help. I mean, they, they aliens are calling space nine one one and they're answering. And Chris is like, this is my moment. I was placed on this ship for such a time as this to go and to help aliens
1: well, here's where I understand Chris's motivation, because he was looking face to face at the back of the Sergeant Pepper's album cover, and he was, he was talking to Commander Ringo Starr. And in case you think <laughs> I'm making that up, I jotted it in my notes, and I'm not making this up, about the next time he came on screen, my wife looks at me, she says, that's Ringo Starr. <laughs> So I can see where, where Chris, Dr. Chris was just a little bit starstruck, he, starstruck by struck, Commander yeah. Ringo.
0: Okay. All right. I, I, I can accept that. It's, it's better than what we get here. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's a better show. <laughs> so the question is, can they get to the aliens? Can they get there? Yes, they can. But if they do, can they get back? Because they might not have enough fuel to get back. But they, it's aliens. And they need help. And so we have a commercial break. (laughs) And I mean, we've, we've, we've kind of talked about this act, act one, but this setup is just weird and it does bring some drama. There is some conflict, but.
1: When you say conflict, of course, you're, you're, you're beating that word with a big sledgehammer the way they did. uh, Of course, because uh, Dr. Chris belittling his dad. Oh, my It's word. just like, lighten up a little bit here. I, I get that this is supposed to be who your character is, but no, it just didn't. It left his character flat. They they're, Like you already said, there were so many different ways to show that Dr. Martin had lost maybe confidence, maybe even lost a step or two, but for sure that was impacting his psyche. Yeah. But to have his own son beating the bumble dickens out of him, verbally, <laughs> right, out, right out in front. That was one of the things. The other thing that struck me that I found really entertaining is, uh, again, you say it's mostly the dialogue because all these people had some acting chops, but let's talk about, we need to talk about Rachel a little bit and how she emotes. Because at one point, uh, Garth says, look at Rachel. She's going mad with worry.
0: Is she, She's- though? <laughs> This is where it's sometimes sometimes it's helpful to tell not show because case, if, if it's not if being shown, show it, yes, yeah, yeah, she and 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 we've had this problem with her where she's I, I don't know if she's being intentionally understated, but I'm going to guess probably not. I mean, there's just not a lot of of things going on there, but I feel like for her different directors might get more out of her because there are some episodes where she has done some things where she actually is acting and emoting and, and, and the same with Garth and Devin too, but you are absolutely right. Like in this, it, you're getting nothing from her and it's, it's unfortunate. And this is where I was worried about an episode like this because I don't want to just dog an episode, but for this one, I have a real hard time finding things that are interesting and good about this episode. And when (laughs) we're talking about big sci-fi ideas, we'll we'll get there. There is one good thing I'll throw out there right now. And you had already alluded to an element of this, the outfits for the crew of the astro ship, the astro medic ship, the white outfits for the, with green trim for the actual medics and then green outfits with white trim for the. the the uh, command crew that are flying the ship around and there's a green motif which is a very interesting you know you'd expect red and you do get some red but there's a lot of green going on as well as a motif and i actually made a note that was really snarky about how there were windows that were just green screens that weren't being used and then I realized, no, no, that's on purpose. That's there. Cause I did think maybe it was a budget thing and they just had a green screen there. I've seen that in Dr. Who before where there's something in the background where you're like, that was meant to be, <laughs> they were going <laughs> to green screen something into that. And they realized we don't have to, let's not spend the money. Uh, and this is the same thing where I thought was going on here, but actually that was an intentional set design choice. And I find it an interesting set design choice for the medical uh, motif because you, typically it's red because of the the red cross when you have uh, that. But you also, if you think about it, I mean, what is a medical team about? It's about life, you know. And and green is a color I associate with life, you know, and growth and that kind of thing. So. Rather the than the, set, the
1: sets <laughs> and the costuming at least compared to the one and a half episodes or the two episodes that I've seen obviously the first one took place a lot in a biosphere and everything mm-hmm. but then again there was all that horrible green screening in that first episode but I think you and our brother from down under really spoke well about <laughs> yeah, yeah. that in your first episode but oh my goodness even compared to the Walter Koenig episode the yeah they they took it up a notch for a terrible story they took up up the costumes and the set pieces quite a bit yeah. on this one.
0: Yeah. So that's that's a positive I can throw out there. Uh anything else before we move on to Act Two?
1: I think I think we're heading towards one of my favorite scenes, maybe that I've ever ever watched on television <laughs> is coming up. So I, I I'd like right. us to move forward.
0: I like the teaser. I thank you. I, I'm looking forward to it. So Garth is really broken up. He's just and and you could tell he's really broken up because he's saying things like i'm very guilty i feel very guilty right now and and he's just he's he's hamming it up he's not quite eating the scenery which is good because the scenery is a good thing we don't want it to get eaten but uh, yeah, old dr trask has a conversation with rachel about the will to live and about how the arc is all about humanity's will to live and to survive. And the will to live has kept Devin alive so far because there's something that doctors just don't understand. And that is that will to live. But Devin needs surgery. Old Trask can't do it. And he can't order young Dr. Trask to do it. So Garth gets a plan. You could see (laughs) the wheels are turning. He asks, wait a minute. If we can't get to the aliens, then that means that young Dr. Trask will operate, right? Because he's got nothing to do, right? Which is already misguided because young Dr. Trask is already consulting with the aliens. And they are doing a Zoom con- consultation. Uh, and he is he's, he's a medical, medical online doctor kind of a thing. And he's finding out information from them, giving them advice. They're 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 already doing consultation. But Dr. Jean argues with young Dr. Trask. She wants him to save Devin, but the aliens are far more important. And there is one interesting piece that gets talked about. And that is where Rachel is saying, Devin could be the reason the Ark gets saved. And they actually say, well, the aliens also could possibly be the reason the Ark gets saved. We could get help from the aliens. And in some ways, if you're looking at it, the math that way, the aliens are probably more likely to be able to help, except that they're idiots. And we'll get to why they're idiots yes. soon.
1: Yes. And at, fir- at first I was tracking with you, except for the fact that so are our three principal characters. <laughs> when when I watched the opening of this show and says, the, uh, the the fate of all mankind rests on these three young people. Well, first of all, not, not so young. young. Yes, exactly. But then the second thing is, if our fate really rests on the competency of these three, this remember the same ones that went into the sonic chamber, pulled one guy out, and stayed in anyway. And I would imagine throughout the series, they continue to make mistakes like this like uh in the alien oro not propping up the side of the yeah. alien spacecraft but trying to hold it up i mean
0: have you heard of a wedge and and yeah, so yeah it- and that one there's no excuse for that one. some stuff there's an excuse for it. they don't yeah. i mean they're new to technology well and sure so they even are as they're and learning about that it, but a wedge Yeah, that that should be your
1: basic, I forget the name of their original, Cypress Corners or something like that. Yeah, Uh, that should have been basic toolmanship in the back in Cypress Corners. My point is, if we are really relying on the future of humanity, if we're relying on these three, we're kind of doomed. So yeah, let's see what the aliens bring to the mix.
0: (laughs) Based on this episode, I would 100% agree with you. Based on the rest of the series, I, I, I I'm thirty three percent with you, but I do they have the drive, they have the the motivation, and in most episodes, they're looking for information and they're looking to find people who can help them. This episode, there's not a lot of that going on. And yeah, if you're if you're looking at just this episode, oh, yeah, they're not
1: well, oh, I mean, they,
0: they, they look for help from the doctors.
1: It's like, you guys know all about, we're heading to a star, you know, about the accident. Can you help us a little bit with the navigation on no, no, uh that's not no. our specialty. What is this union rules? What's going on <laughs> here?
0: Your ship is that, the arc is different than our little ship here. It's, it's yeah, Exactly. Yeah.
1: I mean, uh, let's try a little harder. Instead, we're counting on these three people from Cypress Corners instead of people who might even have a modicum of skill in astro, What is it? astrogating, which yeah, is also yeah. well-labeled with Batman 66 labels.
0: <laughs> that was big,
1: big, <laughs> big, big on there. Yeah,
0: Couldn't mistake <laughs> that. Okay, so this argument, though, I will say this. This argument ends with a great one-two punch of, of line of one liners Gene Jean is not happy with Dr. Chris, Chris clearly not happy with what she wants to have happen. And he says to her as she's walking out unhappy, Jean, I'm sorry. I can't be the man you want me to be. And she turns back and says to him, and I'm sorry, you can't be the man that you want to be. And that, yeah. that's some good dialogue right there. That was it's, not
1: bad. That was not bad.
0: It's, it's the best two lines of the, of the episode. I,
1: yeah. Oh, wait, I, wait. If you're what, talking unironically. Okay. Cause you're getting, okay, <laughs> you're, cause you're, getting you're getting to the best line. You're, you're almost there. You're getting there.
0: So they're going to help the aliens. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile. <laughs> so. <laughs> Devin <laughs> goes into some kind of seizure attack and rolls off his bed And I want to say the single worst awful acting to date on this episode and there's on the series and there's been some bad, but he's there's weird moaning, weird groaning, weird expression on the face. His, his, the, I was reminded a little bit just because of his hands of, of a Shatner kind of a, a a pain moment for Shatner where his arms are going up, you know, but, um, but the rest of it, no. I mean, it, it, Shatner can act circles around what's happening here. <laughs> and and I, 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 I shouldn't be mean to Shatner. I, I know we can make fun of some of his mannerisms when he acts. But he is actually, I, I find him to be a, a decent actor. He he acts well. He, he, and he does what he does. He does it well. Devin does what he does. But in this case, I would not say that Kier Delay is doing it well. So... <laughs> Uh, I don't know how Stanley Kubrick would have directed this, but our directors for this episode (laughs) who uh, that's the one that I didn't look ahead of time to see director is George McCowan and he he's won a couple awards, been nominated for some things. Oh, wow. Though he directed frogs, the 1972 uh, environmental disaster movie and Directed a couple episodes of War of the Worlds TV series from the 80s. Directed Heart to Heart, Fantasy Island, 15 episodes of Fantasy Island. Directed, oh, and we have a we have a connection already. He directed an episode of The Littlest Hobo. Nine oh, episodes of Charlie. Yep. Nine episodes of Charlie's Angels. 14 episodes of Starsky and Hutch. 10 episodes of SWAT. 23 episodes of Canon. Three episodes of Streets of San Francisco. This guy worked eleven episodes of Mod Squad. He directed the Magnificent Seven Ride, uh, which is one of the sequels of the Magnificent Seven. Uh, this this is a man who the Star Lost did not kill his career, and and that and it didn't start his career either. It was just yeah, a, well, a minor stop keep, along the way. But
1: keep keep cashing those checks.
0: <laughs> so. Well, yeah, his, his star lost checks. Is yep.
1: Oh, oh there's got to be residuals. You're you're keep that's You're true. probably keeping food that's on the true. table right now.
0: You know what? Though here's the thing. He also directed the Beehive, which is an episode that's coming up. That's another one that that one I remember vividly. That one I could not put out of my mind. <laughs> At any rate, apparently George McGowan said, "Good enough." <laughs>
1: We'll fix it in post.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know how you fix this in post. You 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 cut it out is what you do. Yes. You, you yeah. leave it. On. I I it don't really, know what's going really on here. Didn't,
1: it really didn't serve the plot at all. He was back up on the bed, and okay, so he's in agony. I love later on when uh, Chris says he's not in any pain. Well, did
0: you see that acting? <laughs> <laughs> what it does is it gets Martin. It gets Martin motivated. Mark is now going to operate like something had to happen. So now old Dr. Trask is going to operate. And now we move into the big action set piece of the episode. This is the big part where Garth is going to put his plan into action. He is going to, I mean, he is a man of action, you know, for talking the, you know, mind, body and soul. He is the body. Uh, Devin is the mind. And and Rachel is the soul and Garth is going to go into action right now. And so he goes in to talk to the bridge crew. He fishes for some information. So uh, how does this thing work? How does this work here? And then once they tell him he presses a button and it stops the ship. The ship is now stopped and it's a standoff. And he says, "I will press every button on this console if you don't turn around right now." Oh, this is one of the great.
1: This is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Comes into he, the bridge, a secure area. Hey, Captain, just hypothesizing here. If I wanted to stop the ship, what would I do? Well, you just hit that button over there. What? You mean this one? Yeah, that one. But don't, don't also.
0: What have you done? You've doomed us all. because they may not have enough power. Yes. Now they don't have <laughs> enough power to get to either place, the aliens <laughs> or the ark. And and they, they have to like figure out where the ark is. They have to triangulate like it, it I mean, and he's he's standing there with his hand very close to some buttons. Yeah. And it is very very intimidating.
1: Absolutely. That uh, is that uh, is great filmmaking.
0: <laughs> so Dr. Trask gets on the on the radio and, and, and they they have their, this is one of those great moments. This is like, this is like the wrath of Khan where, where Shatner and Monteblom are never on the set at the same time, but they're talking to each other over the comms, you know, or heat where, where uh, De Niro and Pacino are never on the set at the same time, but they still have that one scene where they're kind of talking at each other. And, and this is, this is that scene where Dr. Trask says, you know, your friend's not going to die. yes he is no he's not yes he is and now we have a commercial break because who knows what's going to happen next like this is <laughs> this is our cliffhanger and so oh, that is act two that and was, this is where it just goes magical. off the
1: rails oh, and magical it was just that scene with the uh, with the nineteen seventies anchorman oh. for a captain and and just playing it straight like the news and just giving him the facts and and De- Devin is it no Garth Garth taking every advantage of it it just uh, I mean it's it's gold it's television gold.
0: Ugh. This is where it's not boring compared to the Alien Oro. It's painful, but it's not boring. If you're in the wrong mood, you're not going to get through this thing. But once that starts happening and I start realizing, Oh, this is it. This is, this is not like he's taking a sledgehammer cause he's a blacksmith, you know, or, or something like that. This is just beep. I pressed that button <laughs> and forget forward inertia. Like they're yeah. in the vacuum of space. Cutting the engines does not stop their ship. <laughs> if and, they well, were to talk about
1: drift later. They do talk. Yeah, about That's drift. true. That's true. And, and how variable it is because if any galactic thing happens, <laughs> it could just change their drift. Oh. I love the way they throw around words like galactic, just like, you know,
0: oh, when, when Chris, he's talking about how he could be the, uh, Oh, where did that go? He could be the, the hero doctor from galactic space.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> like, galactic space. Oh, that's yeah, also okay, a, yeah. like the solar star oh, in other that we words, sometimes talk about.
1: Yeah. yeah. In other words, space.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. This I'm going to, I'm going to venture to say, uh, Ben Bova did get his name taken off the episodes and I'm, I'm thinking he's probably glad that oh. he is no longer being billed as the science consultant because yeah. this, I, uh,
1: I th- I think this episode peaked with, with, uh, Garth hitting that button though. Oh, you know, I, I'm, unfortunately... you're not wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they come back from the commercial break, Dr. Jean, she comes in and she explains everything to Garth. And she says, Dr. Trask is going to operate. And Garth, I mean, it's the classic misunderstanding. And Garth says, No, he's not. I just talked to him. And Dr. Gene says, No, Dr. Martin Trask. Mm. Classic, the classic. Oh, absolutely. This is where I had to write some of this down because she, she goes on to say, and contrary to what Chris says, he's anything but senile. He's a brilliant man, <laughs> but he's been bullied and demoralized to the point where he's lost all confidence with himself, but he's getting that confidence back. And then I hadn't
1: noticed that he had been bullied. <laughs> I, I had not picked up on the fact that he had lost his confidence. I was glad that Gene was there to tell me that.
0: How do you make this episode better? You let his confidence, you let it be about aging. You let it be about how he's older and his son doesn't have confidence in him because once or twice he made a couple mistakes because he is slowing down. And now he's thinking, I can't do this. And so the, the conflict comes that there's two doctors who could do this. One of them is going to help aliens. And the other one is not going to help anyone because he doesn't feel he can. And He's allowed to stay on this ship with his son because it's his father, you know, but it just, instead it's his, his son is straight up bully, straight, it just horrible. Like his son should have lost his job as the commander of that ship. J just based on how he's treating someone who's under his command, let alone how he's treating his father. If I yeah. was working for him, I would have no confidence in this man. And if I was a, a patient and he's talking to his father, like that in front of me as a patient I have no confidence in this man. This man needs to go back, go into research, you know, or whatever, but um which is actually another way you could fix this episode. He comes out of research because he's the guy who can help the aliens or something like that, but uh-huh. you know, this is just just yeah. I I I'm not on board with with the writing here. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> those two lines that I mentioned earlier I truly believe great lines, but this stuff, not, not great. So what's good about this is Garth leaves and now they can resume normal operations. The tense action set piece is now <laughs> over. And they realize: wait a minute, we might have enough fuel or whatever it is that we need to get back to the Ark If we can get the aliens to come to us, great plan.
1: So yes. now the aliens
0: are going to come to them. The aliens continue to give Chris symptoms, but Chris can't diagnose anything. He's just missing something. He just mm. keeps, there's just something going on. And this is where he, he acts. He's, he's saying, what, what, what? He turns in his chair, complete 360 as he's talking to himself about what he needs to do. And Martin goes to operate. But Chris, he needs Martin's help. So he goes and interrupts the operation. (laughs) Did you start a timer?
1: Did you start a timer (laughs) on this conversation? You got a man dying on the table. And wow, what a great time to interrupt this for a nice father-son
0: heart-to-heart. So what the good that does come out of this is the Trask's switch places. Chris does take on the operation. And Martin goes to talk to the aliens and take a look at what chris has already accumulated and meanwhile the aliens aren't arriving and the bridge crew are talking about like this isn't good where are they something's wrong oh oh there they are they're <laughs> they're here <laughs>
1: yeah, we should we should be able to see them by now oh there they are yeah nice design on the alien ship though
0: better is than a, cool a lot spaceship. of the
1: design we've seen that was a better yeah.
0: design yeah yeah uh, the the, the it's not not a toy, but a model. I mean, it doesn't yeah. feel like something you play with, but it does feel like something that you could put on your shelf. And there'd yep. be some cool, you know. Um, yeah, but this is one of those things, and that's the end of Act 3, but uh, where this script, there's just so many things that just happen to bring a false sense of drama, but then just diffuse the sense of drama completely by just saying, eh, eh it's okay. He's yeah. dying. No, he's not. Not anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Chris is either an extreme self deluded moron or he's a pathological but pragmatic liar. Because he wants to go <laughs> see the aliens and says, Oh, he's gonna die, he's gonna die, he's gonna die. And then all of a sudden it's like, Well, my dad actually is the best at this, even though a minute later he was shouting into the microphone, my father is a senile old man, and all I'm thinking is this an open com. I can just picture Martin going, I'm right here.
0: But he's heard it all before. I That's mean, it's this, this, this is absolutely an abusive relationship, and it's gonna be resolved in an hour. But oh yeah. Don't it's gonna take be, any life.
1: It's gonna be resolved while Devin is dying.
0: Yeah. Don't take any life advice from how to how to work through family trauma from this episode because <laughs> it is it is not realistic at all. But speaking of not realistic, as we go into act four, there's a lot of medical stuff happening. And there's a lot of medical sounding words that are being used. And there's a lot of scanners being used and, and things, but who knows what's happening with this operation? There there is absolutely nothing to latch on to other than sometimes i say uh is it bad yeah it's it's bad but oh now it's okay and it's just <laughs> my note was everyone's doing things that kind of look like emotions that's right and, and, and it's and, like and ai the- writing humanity right you know like the Yeah,
1: and in this, and in the surgery, he's he's actually, if I understood it right, he's rewriting his entire cellular structure and reprogramming every cell in order to get him back to the person that he was. Please keep in mind, on a ship where everything is well labeled, this doctor is not capable of finding his way up to the bridge of the Ark and finding the button that says, turn ship now.
0: (laughs) Here's the other thing, is as they're doing this, the, the stakes are very, very high. He could die. That's one thing. Or he could be paralyzed for life. That's another thing. And then the third option is he might have the mind of a child. So, like there it's just these three very, very divergent possibilities that just don't they don't mix well together i mean he's he's doing a lot of stuff with the brain, but I just I'm trying to figure out how does this well, work, and how does this all come from the the sonic chamber
1: right why and again, <laughs> why do they even have that chamber but this is one this is one part of the episode that actually really did make me a little bit angry in all candor, and that is. Uh, Garth then said, and he started going down a road where he said, well, if that's going to be what happens to him, then it would be better if he didn't live at all. They were on the cusp of a very, very important question. And if they should have had the guts to maybe flesh that out a little bit, no matter what side a person comes on is not the issue here. It's to have that dialogue. And then they just hand it, waved it away. I believe Miss Non-Emotion comes in and says, it's over. First of all, yeah. how did she even know that? But that—that that was the next line. Was it's over?
0: It's over. He's alive.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and they and they never came back to want you. You want to ask? You know, what are some of the big questions that this yeah. show can ask? That was when they started to ask, and then just hand waved away. And that frankly made me a little angry. Yeah. It just it,
0: this episode doesn't really deal well with theme. <laughs> like it's just, <laughs> and and this is where talking about like the, the tagline of big sci-fi ideas and bad sci-fi TV. uh, This is where, even if they had gone there, they may not have gone there. Well, but going there is in a lot of ways, it's, it's half the battle, you know, and, and just even a bad, a bad show that asks big questions can get you to start thinking. And that's where, you know, science fiction at its best is it's getting you to start thinking. It's getting you to think about stuff. Sometimes it answers the question for you with the agenda that they want to give you. And sometimes it leaves it vague and allows you to think through it yourself. And, and sometimes it takes you to a place you don't want to go because it's say, you know, it's written by someone with a different worldview or it's written by someone who is trying to explore a worldview that you may not agree with. And and there's just all sorts of things that science fiction does well. And even the star lost when it's not done well, is sometimes doing this. And in the last episode, Dr. Smith of Manchester, they actually do some they're, they're talking about pollution. They're talking about war. They're talking about um Uh, They're talking about creating, you know, gun control and things like that. And they bring these all up in an episode that makes sense based on the plot as well. And is it great? No, like I like I told you before, it's an A plus star lost episode, which means it's a B minus science fiction episode. (laughs) But this I'm saying is a D minus star lost episode, which means it's 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 a low, low, low not passing grade. I mean, this might as well be a W withdraw from the class that do like I did in Greek class in second semester sophomore year. Take the W, not the win, the withdraw <laughs> before you get the F. It could have gone there. And, and there's so many other places it could have gone. And where does it go? It goes into weird, not making sense, made up alien, uh alien physiology and I mean, we might as well talk about these aliens. Well,
1: yeah. Again, this is maybe my second favorite part of the whole episode. So please, we need to talk (laughs) about the aliens.
0: So Chris is done. He comes to talk to his dad, who's been looking through all the stuff. And as they're talking about all this stuff, like the three chamber heart and blah, blah, blah. And all, you know, the Chris just happens to say, you know, Devin's doing good. His temperature is a little high. (laughs) Temperature? temperature wait wait just a minute you almost expect to say you crazy you crazy stupid fool you you've solved it all because temperature wait just a minute They, they come from a planet that has no Change in temperature at all. They're like reptiles. I didn't look this up, but the aliens have three chambered hearts and so they don't have any temperature regulation. They went into a spaceship that doesn't regulate temperature because they don't even think about temperature, because they don't <laughs> understand temperature, because the planet they come from doesn't have any differences in temperature. So they have a space program, but have no essential knowledge of their own physiological survival needs. And now they don't understand why they're sick.
1: (laughs) I, I wrote in my notes, which I left at my office, so I'm doing this from memory, but I wrote in my notes, they don't need a doctor. They need an HVAC contractor. This Their is... air conditioner is broke. That's what they uh, needed. I... Isn't there a biosphere full of
0: refrigeration people? Uh, there may be. There just may be. But that's it. They figured it out because Chris wow. just happens to mention Devin, all of these options that could go wrong with him, paralyzed, brain dead, death. And he's got a little bit of a high temperature right now. Yeah, yeah, oh, yep.
1: You that's what's crazy, wrong with
0: idiotic fool! <laughs> you might have just saved the universe. It's oh. just, <laughs> and now everything's and okay.
1: Everything's okay. It. Yeah, and and what do you think well, the? Uh, what do you think? How do you think the aliens could show their gratitude for this? By telling them where the ark is, and that's yeah, it. Uh, okay. That's it. Okay. Wait. Okay. Yeah. Wait a (laughs) (laughs) minute. Don't. I mean, just you're aliens. We just showed you how to turn on your air conditioner. Would you at least come and show us how
0: to maybe move us three degrees to starboard? Hey, can you contact your home planet and have them send three of your biggest ships after they're retrofitted with air conditioning or heating? (laughs) Have them send three of your biggest ships and just pull us just a little bit. That's yeah. all it's going to take is just three tugboats. And <laughs> I, I mean, I'm going to use this term
1: improperly, but does this entire population of the Ark, do they all suffer from some, hor- some sort of Stockholm syndrome? Where it's, it's <laughs> been generations, and they've just said, yeah, we can do anything we really set our minds to except turn the ship two degrees.
0: The the very few people who know what's going on won't do anything about it. Yeah, like or the say they can't do anything about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it just. A captain
1: yeah. of a Lego ship, and he just won't. And the captain won't do anything. Captain Anchorman, he won't do anything.
0: Oh, that's beyond yeah. my pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're able to get back to the Ark. They dock with the Ark. And as they dock, Devin is, he wakes up, he's fine. Uh, he he's, maybe he still has a little bit of a temperature, but he's fine. <laughs> and, and as they're docked, they get called to another dome for another emergency. And so the astromedics leave to go to help another person in their show for another episode of their show. Yeah. And none of this makes sense from a world building sense. It does. not The whole idea, the whole concept is all of these domes have been cut off from each other. Yes. All of these domes don't know what's going on. They have lost knowledge. And they have the the, the goddess Calabria, I think is something something like that. That episode, they have they have schematics that are their holy scriptures, and they don't know what they're looking at. They just know that it's special and it's important. And they, they keep it in the sacred place. And that's interesting. And then you have this where you have a whole dome of medical personnel who know exactly what's going on and who are called to emergencies all around the arc. There's only 37 domes on the model. I don't know how many they are supposed to be in the actual. (laughs) And one
1: of them is kind of droopy. Like they saw, they went, ah, forget it. No one will notice.
0: (laughs) It's good enough. There's a lot of this where it feels like the Ed Wood. Yeah. Cut oh. print, you know. But it's beautiful. I'll be remembered yeah. for
1: this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they are. They are remembered for it. What little they are remembered, it's for this. But they yeah, it just this breaks the it breaks the show almost mm-hmm. because of just what it what it signifies, what it means. And it means that Cypress corners apparently never had a medical emergency that needed to have someone come. Or it's just they, they never contacted the you know, the host or whatever, but Mm. I just, I, it it breaks things down. And And,
1: well, did you notice also, not only did the three doctors run out, you know, end of the show freeze frame style to go on to their next adventure. (laughs) So did our three principals. Like they were saying, get me the heck off this series onto a better one. Yeah. Yeah. They just, (sighs) (sighs)
0: so yeah. Yeah. So that's our episode. And yeah, I'm
1: sorry that it ruined the world building on this great uh, concept of uh, the star loss. And by the way, when I say that, I'm only saying it a little tongue in cheek. The, the, it was a big idea. The concept, it, it has a little bit of Truman show feel to it because of mm. the domes. Yeah, like yeah. in the, again, I did have a chance to watch the pilot episode and I think it is Devin that says one of my questions, why does the sun go from one direction to another? Well, that's very, very Truman show, you know, that it's just being projected onto this, onto this dome. But then you have 33, should be way more than that, but
0: 33 well, individual. The actual model, this is the literal model I'm talking about, has 33 Yes. Domes. I think yeah. it's meant to have more. The ship is meant to be like miles long. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's meant to be this enormous ship where cultures are surviving inside each of these yeah. domes. And, and the
1: idea that they've had no contact with each other, it brings up a little of Plato's allegory of the cave even. Mm -hmm. You know, the only reality they know is the shadow that they're seeing reflected in their own dome. And then when you get outside of that dome, you, 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 you don't even perceive the real reality because you have no way to process it.
0: Yeah. And so as they're going from dome to dome, the idea was they're finding more people who are like them, who are at different stages of arrested development where and and so there is some of that there's there's also gallery of fear which has an ai that knows there's a problem with the ship um and and there's some interesting possible ideas there it's not a great episode as far as sci-fi tv goes but it's there's some decent stuff going on there but yeah that yeah so there's i i do have a few more notes one is there's a couple different things with garth's guilt where i just i wrote with a note is is he five Is he five years (laughs) old? Like he says to Dr. Gene, Rachel will never let me go near him now. And it's like, who even talks like that as a grown adult? No, no. And Rachel tells him it's not your fault. And then she does have one moment where she snaps at him. That could have been a really subtle moment where it's just, haven't you done enough? And then she catches herself. That could have been a really nice moment where it does kind of bring up idea of oh, maybe I should feel some guilt, but, but the guilt up until that point is just, just terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. another note that I have is just, and I always think about this whenever there's an episode where a character gets knocked out or, or like this gets put in bed. I always wonder just how interesting is it for that actor? that They get to just lay in bed as their job for that week, you know? And it's just, Okay. Lay back down the way you were laying down already. And now you don't have to worry about doing anything. We're going to move you around a little bit because they're pretending to be doctors who are working on you. So just pay them no mind. And what a fantastic week of the job for you that you get to just lay in bed for, for a week.
1: Well, so is it any wonder that Dave Bowman, or whatever the actor's name is, that he put so much into that agony scene before he <laughs> fell off the bed? To which my to which my wife said, does their advanced technology not include
0: straps? Well, I'll give them that, though. I, okay. I, I can live with that. So, yeah. <laughs> I just... And, and th- you have that episode. A lot. There's the, the next generation episode where Riker is unconscious and it's the clip show and they're just looking at his memories and things yeah. like that. And you know, you just, you, every show, I I feel like every show is going to have at least one episode where one person gets to be in bed the entire time. Uh, Oh, there was an episode of chips where Ponch was in, in the hospital for the whole episode. You know, it's just like, yeah, yeah. So, um, there's a, a another quote where um this is when Gene and, and Chris are arguing and she says something about how one man is just as important as many, right? And and he's like, Oh, I used to be idealistic. That's a great line. It's kind of riffing well, no, not riffing on this because Khan came later. It, it, yes, exactly. Yeah, Khan came a lot later, but it kind of gets into the idea of the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the of the f- uh, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one, and then Kirk turns it on its head for Star Trek three, and, and Spock says, "Why did you do this?" And he says, "Well, sometimes the needs of the one outweighs the needs of the of the few," and and that's just a nice little philosophical moment where you can see Chris has changed over time, and there's some subtlety to that. Uh, not a lot of subtlety in the episode, but there's some subtlety to that.
1: Uh, yeah, Chris had an arc, but it was forced by the ham-fisted over-the-top disdain for his father. His arc could have had him ending up being the relatively good leader and nice guy he supposedly is at the end of the episode, but it was just it was just way too ham-fisted to buy into. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it would have been a lot more believable if it had been a little more subtle in the sense yes. of he's lost his faith in his father. Like, mm-hmm. what if it was just that? What if it wasn't that he's <laughs> belligerently bullying him, but if it was just... I want my dad back and <sighs> I, 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 my, I want my dad on this ship because he's the best, you know, or, you know, tongue in cheek, you know, that, you know, when, when they are on a better terms, he's the second best, you know, but yeah, it's, he, right. he's the best. And, uh, I want him on this ship because I know what he's capable of, but he has lost faith in himself. That's still cliche, but at least it's cliche. That makes sense. <laughs> Instead of yes. here. So, Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing I was reminded of is just, you have the, pro- the alien at the end, you see him, you actually see his face Yes, and it is this dumb makeup job. It's that prosthetic head, you know, piece that you have on there where it's like, I'm an alien because I have this kind of covering yes. part of my face and it's, and uh, you can I'm see the ridge holes. where,
1: yes, you can see the ridge where the yeah. eyeballs start. Yes.
0: Yeah, it, it, but it, it's alien enough, you know, to to get by on a budget. Uh, but I mean, obviously, that's what Star Trek does. I mean, so many um, sci-fi shows just have humans with prosthetic things on their face. Yeah, and, and I, this is I was part just, of that just, long a, proud tradition.
1: I was just disappointed <laughs> that it wasn't actually, indeed, Ringo Starr. That, that made me sad.
0: Yeah, unless it, mean, unless it was. At at this point. I think he was still pretty busy. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is seventy three. I can't remember when the Beatles actually broke up, but he yeah. at least, didn't he go into a, a solo career soon after that. Sure, he did. Then, yeah. So, I mean, they, they all kind of did. So, um. But anyway, now that we've pushed my Beatles knowledge to the limit. Yeah, to the limit. <laughs> so, yeah. So I am reminded of that the other thing that's. I wish they would have done And this is something uh, Red Dwarf. Have you watched Red Dwarf?
1: I've watched I'm... a little of Red Dwarf. I have to admit that that is a hole in my okay. viewership because I know I, it's fantastic. I just haven't sat down and committed.
0: I am a, a Red Dwarf evangelist. I, uh, I will sing its praises. It is the greatest sci-fi comedy television show. Second greatest sci-fi comedy of all time. Wow. Because... Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is obviously the greatest. Although the TV show, I would put just one level under Red Dwarf sure. as a TV show. Yeah. Um, but they actually have a pretty decent set of rules that they abide by in their science fiction universe. And one is there's no aliens, and so you have artificial intelligences. You have um, uh. What they call them, um, Gelfs, uh, genetically enhanced life forms, but they all have a a root in the one form of life that exists in the universe, and that's humanity. And Mm. anything that they find that's not uh, human is something that is from humanity's effects on the galaxy. And that's where cat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) see, cat. No, I'm
1: at the end of my red dwarf knowledge.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, the, the whole cat thing, we talked about this a little bit before, but the the Red Dwarf, there is a whole civilization of cats that evolved on the Red Dwarf ship as a generation ship because it existed for millions of years while he was in Spastanian animation. So there is a generation ship concept in Red Dwarf, but it's cats that evolved into humanoids. And But anyway, I, I really hate the fact that we go to aliens so fast here in, I mean, this episode, I believe, was filmed and written before the Alien Oro. And you, you can kind of tell because of the the uniforms that they're wearing, the outfits that they're wearing in the Alien Oro. Uh, that's actually a later change that they're going to make. But they went to, I mean, we're, if this is about a full season, we're not even halfway through the season and we already have two episodes with aliens. We haven't even explored the ship yet and we're right. already looking outside the ship. Which isn't a bad idea. I mean eventually you gotta do something new. And eventually aliens were going to happen, but I just wish the medical emergency could have been something different. How much more uh, how much more pathos would there have been if this had been one of their own ships off course and they're dying? It's 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 his friend on that ship over there. We have to go to get them. We might not have enough fuel to get back, but we have to do something. What about this guy here? Well, you know, we can take care of him later,
1: but big ideas. You got the trolley problem right there. And, and they, they tried to address the trolley problem in
0: this episode.
1: They did it poorly, but they tried to address it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the trolley problem, if you haven't seen this video, I need to send you the video of the kid who has his solution of the trolley problem. Okay. I've seen it. Okay. I haven't. I don't want to spoil it for you. Okay. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes maybe if I think about it, but um, yeah, it's really a funny, funny, funny solution that this kid gets. Cause the dad sets it up with Thomas, the tank engine wooden tracks Yeah, and, and puts Lego people on there. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting what this kid decides to do. His, Excellent. his solution is ingenious. And then It takes a step and a twist you would never expect. So,
1: so, so it wasn't just like, ask the captain where the button is. No, no. Okay.
0: (laughs) No. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about our, our cast and crew. We did already talk about our director. Our writers are Paul Schneider and Martin Lager. He has done one episode of the star Lost. That's this episode, but he also did an episode of star Trek, the animated series, So he wrote the Territon episode, which was the episode that aired on uh, November 27th. So two episodes ago, he also wrote for the Mod Squad. He wrote for Swiss Family Robinson, which is a Canadian show. He wrote for Six Million Dollar Man, Buck Rogers, two episodes of that. Um, But I mean, he didn't have a whole ton of of episodes that he wrote, but he had a long career before the star lost and he worked into the 80s as well. And co-writing this episode, we have Martin Lager, who wrote the goddess Calabra, and wrote the Implant People as well, along with Space Precinct, which is another br- uh, world-breaking episode. That's the final episode of the show. But he he was he had his his hands in a lot. Um, he wrote The Shape of Things to Come, which is based on H.G. Wells' book and movie. Because H.G. Wells actually wrote the screenplay for the movie The Shape of Things to Come in uh, the in the '30s, I believe it was. It's a black and white movie. It's fascinating. This remake, this Canadian remake, is not a retelling of Hul's story. They just use his title in 1979 to make a movie that is basically only happening because of Star Wars. And they're trying to think of what can we do, what's a title. But He also, as we talked about, he's written 12 episodes of The Littlest Hobo. So we have a Littlest Hobo connection with them. But we also have a little less hobo connection with some of our actors, Stephen Young, however, he played Dr. Chris. He's the guy that I could not get out of my head. I've seen him in something else before, and you probably have. I think I mentioned uh in last episode, I recently watched Soyant Green <clears throat> he's in Soyant Green, and so i I don't remember who he was in Soyant Green, but he's in that movie. He's in a lot of '80s and '90s TV. He was in *The Heat of the Night*. He was in *On Murder She Wrote*. He was on *Hunter*. He was on *21 Jump Street*. *Airwolf*. *Danger Bay*. *Hanging In*. *Magnum PI*. Uh, *Trapper John M.D.* *The Littlest Hobo*. *Heart to Heart*. Uh, *Chips*. *Hawaii five Oh, *The Bionic Woman*. *The Six Million Dollar Man*. Uh, he's in a, t- *A Streets of San Francisco*. *Police Woman*. Uh, s- *Police Surgeon*. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so this guy, he was just a working actor in Hollywood and in Canadian Hollywood, because he's wow. also doing a number of the shows here in Canada. But um, that's where I, I know I'm probably recognizing him from uh, Bionic Man or Six Million Dollar Man and Bionic Woman and Chips. Those are all shows that I've watched just recently, and and he just has a he has a face that's not quite a leading man face, but it's very very close. And he can be that 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 uh that guest star that you need to mm-hmm. hold zone with the leading man. Um, Bud Knapp played Doctor Martin, and Bud Nap, uh, if you look at his IMDb, he another working actor, eighty one roles, did a lot of different things up into nineteen eighty one. He did just pass away in nineteen eighty two. Then, and so like he he worked up until up until he passed away. Um, Meg Hogarth, who played Dr. Jean, she did a lot of Canadian television (laughs) and uh, it was just, yeah, she just was a working, working actress. And then we also have Michael Zenon, who played the alien commander. That is your Ringo Starr. Mm,
1: Disappointed.
0: uh, (laughs) uh, His last uh, acting role was in 1977 but he just passed away in january of this year. Hmm. So, yeah, he it was, was that in 24 and yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but again, police surgeon, uh forest rangers, uh, not a lot, but he he did a couple different things that so he he got a ro- a role on. Then I mean, acting, he didn't do much, but where he really excelled in Hollywood or in, in the industry anyway, was he was assistant director on 70 different projects, including two of the Left Behind movies, Urban Legends, Final Cut, a uh, couple episodes of Wonderful World of Disney. Uh, so he went on to be an assistant director on studio pictures, uh, Johnny Mnemonic, uh, but also on on TV shows. So yeah, this is a guy who said "Eh, maybe acne is not for me after i put on that mask maybe i i should do something where i don't have to be in front of the camera but i can tell (laughs) what people need to do behind the camera so that's our cast and crew that's our episode and that brings us to our final two big questions big question number one alan are you done with the star lost or are you Uh... going to continue with the star lost
1: well, you know, you almost roped me in again with a few of your comments, but as we discussed earlier, I've seen the pilot episode. I watched Alien Oro. I watched this one. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done At with thi- the Star Wars.
0: <laughs> At this point, if I was making a playlist of episodes that people who don't appreciate bad TV should watch, I would say watch the pilot watch the goddess Calabra and watch Mr. Smith of Manchester. Those are the three, the rest of them. There's a certain type of thing you're getting into when you get into them. Uh And unfortunately this is the worst of it that you could possibly get.
1: And, And, and so you, you, you almost got me roped in again. The real kicker is the fact that it seems to me like it doesn't really end. It ends with a, with a whimper rather than a shout. (laughs) <laughs> with another world-breaking episode.
0: Yeah, that's the two episodes that we talked about with the the Beehive and the Space Precinct. Those are both episodes I have very strong memories of watching when I got the DV set. My strong memories from when I was a kid are really just of feelings of seeing the ship and hearing the music. And so it's kind of like um, the melancholy of the music and the coolness of the ship to a little kid and a couple action scenes that we're not in this episode. (laughs) (sighs) So Alan, where can people find you online? Where can people find flight of the angels and hornet's nest?
1: Well, thank, thank you so much for asking. Uh, we can be found at, uh, first of all, we can always be found on Amazon. Just look up uh, flight of the angels. If you go rainy, R E I N I, that'll make sure you don't get some book about that avuncular railroad in Los Angeles or something like that. I'm probably not even saying that right, but uh, that's one way to find us. But the easiest way to find us is at flight of the Angels.com. And of course on Facebook, we're on Facebook slash flight of the angels. And to be honest, that's the one we update more than than okay. the regular website. We we actually try to, instead of just promoting Flight of the Angels, we want to be active in uh, promoting things. This is going to date us here, but like Angel Studios' new film, The Shift, we've been actively involved in, in throwing that up on our Facebook page. There's this anthology based on <laughs> uh, time travel that's coming out, and we've been making sure that we share on Flight of the Angels' Facebook page. So that might be the best place to be current.
0: And uh, Flight of the Angels is a military kind of space opera, sci-fi kind of a thing where, um- when I read, when I read it, uh, there are things that I was reminded of with like some political intrigue, like Babylon five, but then the, um, it follows a group of people who are in the flight of the angels, which is a, a wing of, of, uh, star fighters. And so kind of reminiscent of star Wars, Battlestar Galactica and so some things like that. And so, yeah, so that's, that's the kind of book that it is. And I also endorse it. I I really liked them, which is why I originally had you on the podcast 10, 11 years ago is because I read it and I liked it. And when I read something I like, I want people to know about it. So that's, that's what I do.
1: And as always, we are so very appreciative. I don't know if we mentioned this, but you, uh, Strangers and Aliens, you were uh, just soloing that evening, but Ben, you were the very first podcast to invite us on and to talk about Flight of the Angels. And yeah, honestly, we don't take that lightly. And Aaron
0: and I will never forget that. Well, I'm glad to have been a part of that. So, All that said, thank you everyone for spending time with us. Thank you for listening. And you can find us online, Facebook.com slash UpfromTheashes podcast. You can also find us at our website, UpfromTheashesPodcast.com. And if you want to support the podcast and, you know, buy me a coffee, so to speak, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash up From The Ashes, or now find all that same material at Patreon, patreon.com slash Up From The Ashes podcast. Go to either one of those places, and just a one-time contribution gives you access to everything. And it's we're going through the episodes of Star Trek The Animated Series 50 years later. So with all that said, Alan, once more, thank you so much for joining me, and Thank you, everyone, for listening. And as you are going through that giant Earth-shaped arc of life, stay out of Sonic Chambers. And as long as you stay out of Sonic Chambers, I I just hope I can wish you Godspeed.